Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Hot Mess Healing a Podcast. I'm your host, Finn. This is EJ. We are here to talk about religious trauma. We did have a few technical difficulties, um, so we are back now. <laughs> it wouldn't be our podcast if there wasn't technical difficulties. Y'all, this is our third episode, so we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So, we are talking about religious trauma. And what I had said was, it's basically when religion fucks you up. But <laughs> the actual definition from my reliable source, it's got a .org at the end, so it's reliable. <laughs> it is religious trauma an event, series of events, relationships or circumstances within or connected to religious beliefs, practices, or structures that is experienced by an individual as overwhelming or disruptive and has lasting adverse effects on a person's physical, mental, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. Damn. Yes. So... Religious trauma, you know, we are getting deep today because I know we have both experienced religious trauma and we've also experienced, and this is like, this goes back to grief. We, the very first, the first episode we did on grief, um, part one, if you go back and listen to that, we talked about collective grief Mm -hmm. and I know that we are experiencing collective grief with the religious trauma that is happening in the queer community oh my god it's it's fucking horrible like i saw a tiktok (coughs) saying that for queer people and i'm sure you can i'm sure this is the same for um you know racism uh but for queer people we're in the seventh stage of genocide there's mm. there's like 10 stages or something and we're we're in the seventh which is like that the outright ban of queer people and right. and we are experiencing a collective and complex trauma complex because it's, it's happening right now so yeah oof. my heart goes out to um trans people queer people um People that just don't feel safe in their own communities. Right. And it's like, we're safe because we're in progressive states. Yeah. You know, I live in Maryland, which is, you know, the some of the more northern states are mm-hmm. very progressive. Yeah. As it was back in the day. And you live in California, which, <laughs> I mean, it's like, how progressive can you get in California? I mean... Yeah, like in Long Beach, they have like rainbow streets. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how has it affected the communities that you are a part of? Mm. I think that like two things come to mind. I guess like collectively, I really think that white supremacy can like speak through religion. And um, just like how religion is weaponized in the South um, 
And it's kind of like the haves and have nots, either you're religious or you're not. And if you're not religious, it's, it's like you, you, you have leprosy or something like your people just condemn you. And I've been condemned by my own family. And then, you know, I, I grew up going to mission trips and, oh fuck, there's a lot of trauma and a lot of abuse that happens mm-hmm. in youth groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So collectively and through a peer level religious trauma has fucked our shit up and sometimes i don't know like the level of brainwashing that religion does makes me more empathetic to people one two i think people will just have hate in their hearts but like um i don't know where i was going with that but um, it's okay yeah you know you know what i'm saying right I think that like people are brainwashed and they don't necessarily know it. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's like we can look back at look back on so many different cults. Yeah. <laughs> where people are brainwashed and don't know it. And it's like religious cults. Like majority of cults this day and age are religious like actual like cult cults yeah and even like i listened to that podcast sounds Sounds like a cult cult. yeah Yeah. and there's like culty things in our life that like you can create a religious a religion around like disneyland or apple apple products Mm -hmm. wellness like the one i'm listening to today was taylor swift yes oh my god those Swifties can be brutal. Right. <laughs> and it's like they have a, that is a religion. Like, I she's a say, god. Yeah, yeah she's a god them. to them. Same thing with Beyonce. Beyonce's yeah. a fucking goddess to a lot of people. Right. I mean, you know, it's Beyonce. It is Beyonce. I mean, <laughs> but, <okay. laughs> you know, to rope us back in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, majority of cults are religious cults. I mean, when you hear religious cult, you know, you think of Heaven's Gate, you know, Jim Jones. Yeah, um, even Waco had mm-hmm. elements, elements of religion and um, like some of these like Nexium and like different cults like that, they really like... Are like uh, fundamentalist Christians. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they like stole religious aspects from like eastern cultures and yeah yeah how how do you think religion and religious trauma affects like the black community and then like you're like i guess like inner community your family Mm -hmm. your 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 neighbors your peers right so how it affects our community is first off and I want to talk about this as well when we bring on our guest, who is also another black person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to also like kind of dive yeah. deeper into the white supremacy aspect mm-hmm. of the Christian religion. Yeah. Um, so how it affects us. It's basically the way I see it in the way that I've experienced it. It's like a cult. Yeah. And it fucks us so much. Because we are taught 
pray about it. Like we talked in our grief episode, it's the whole pray about it, put it in God's hands. But it's like, even if you were, even if you were to put it in God's hands, you still have to do the legwork. Oh, yeah. Like people say have faith, but you have to have like faith in action. You can't just like have faith that there's this wizard in the sky that's going to be granting wishes and making your shit better. To me, like praying is like setting intentions, you know, or for me, I'm asking the universe for a goddamn break. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, um, I did look up a statistic. Mm-hmm. Racial segregation of churches in the United States is a pattern of Christian churches maintaining segregated con- congregations based on race. As of 2001, as many as 87% of Christian churches in the United States were completely made up of only white or African American parishioners. Mm. Yeah, so we can dive in deeper with that. But I did want to note that because I was like, wait a minute, churches had to have been segregated. Mm hmm. And they probably are still segregated. Oh yeah, especially like bath. You can be like, like hat, like hardcore Baptist. Right. And so, back to how it affects the black community is you're taught, and we'll go more into this with with our guest because she has so much experience in this mm-hmm. topic, and. When we get when we hear her, it, it's gonna be like wow, like yeah. I mean, of course, I know because I know the guest, right? But it's like and, and it's like I've talked to them before, yeah. So, but we'll go into that deeper, yeah. But what it does is it makes your life difficult because you're supposed to keep it in the family, like, keep it in the family. Mm. You know, if the preacher does something, you know, he's got people, brainwashed people coming to his defense. Right, because isn't, okay, I think it's kind of like this in white churches, but in black churches, isn't there, like, a council that, like... Um, yeah, there's, like, a, a council for, like, um that's made uh I don't know like what it's made up of but like the like I I guess can talk about that can okay. um, tell us more about that but yeah there is like a council that um elects I think like a bishop or something like that like I yeah. said I don't know too much of it yeah and there's um, like people that do the finances and mm-hmm. like, like a treasurer and yeah, when you say, like, churches keep it in the family and, like, protect the pastor at all costs, we've seen that played out with with Catholicism. Mm-hmm. There's, a whole, there's a whole institution. Right. Yeah, very that, institutionalized. Um, mm-hmm. It's a business. Yeah, it is. And that's why, like, to me, church is between two people, and it can happen anywhere. Anywhere, anytime, as long as there's two people or you can probably have church by yourself. Right. Because um, you don't need to go to church to have faith or to believe in God. To be spiritual, no, you don't. Right. right. You don't even have to believe in, in one God, you know? Right. Um, and that's why I, like, have adopted the term spirituality. Mm-hmm. 
because I, I'm not religious and I like want to abolish religion, but that's probably like a different topic. Right. <laughs> yeah. That that's definitely something different. <laughs> yeah, and like just how there's like you talk about the control and the protection. Mm-hmm. There's no separation between church and state either. Right. They're supposed to be, but you see right now with like the queer bands, you see religion controls laws and exactly and and controls the narrative. Because it used to not be one nation under God. No, that's not. We, I mean, because it's like in the Bill of Rights, you know, in our Constitution, whatever. There's freedom, mm-hmm. freedom, free dumb of religion and i Mm -hmm. emphasize the freedom part because it's like you're supposed to have the freedom to practice whatever religion you want to or not practice at all right you can be protected under that law and we are not protected no and when a nation adopts one religion folks that is fascism exactly that's a whole other fucking episode, but I really like if you want to dive deeper on this topic, I would look into like religion, white supremacy, religion and fascism, religion and capitalism, right. and just see the intersections of it all and how it affects us. Right. Yeah, because it, it's affecting too many communities. It's yeah. affecting, I wouldn't say like children are a community, but it's like, it's affecting so many people that it, it's a it's a it's a national and international issue. Yeah, because the children in the churches are getting abused; they're getting right. groomed. Mm-hmm. Like, especially queer people. Yeah, right. Because it's like, pray the gay away. Don't say gay. Mm-hmm. We should there should there should be Christianity and prayer in schools. You have that. You have your moment of silence. That yeah. is for you to pray or not pray. Right. And like how they're banning books. Mm-hmm. That, that's fascism. It is. And it's it, that's reminding me of Nazi Germany. Yeah, they fucking burned books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Americans say, oh, we're, we want to stay away from fascism, socialism, and communism. Look in the fucking mirror. Right. You're and I want people religion. to like, yeah, understand that like Hitler learned from the United States. Mm-hmm. And the way that this country is brainwashed, when you say freedom, I really don't think we're totally free here. Mm-mm. We're not. No, and there's that whole fucking American dream. That's it, it's a lie. It's it's a lie. False. It's just, it's you, literally capitalism. Yeah. With rose colored glasses on. Right. I know you looked up statistics. Mm-hmm. Did you happen? I just looked it up real quick. But when you said children, I saw that I looked up up to forty percent of homeless youth identify as LGBTQ. So, like, the church condemns queerness, so the families condemn queerness, and kids are getting kicked out of their homes and they're homeless. Right. And it's like, you're supposed to be able, like, back in the day, 
you know, you're supposed to be able to come to a church when you're in need. For sanctuary, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, for a roof over your head. Because a lot of churches, you know, they'll, like, host, not really host, not host, but, like, they have beds. Yeah, they're like yeah. what is it called? Safe havens? Is yeah. That what called? Like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're supposed to be able, no matter who you are, mm-hmm. go to a church, walk in, and if there's somebody that works there, like they should be able to take you to their food pantry, get you some clothes, um, just care for you. And that's like I don't know if we get into it this episode, because I know we're trying to keep the time down, but where my most religious trauma comes from is going on mission trips. Right. Which is, you know, white supremacy, colonization. Yes. Um, bullshit. And, and I didn't know the term racism then, mm-hmm. but, but growing up in the South and I, and I went to school, I went to like, uh, an all black school in elementary school. Cause where I grew up was still segregated. So I lived in the Hispanic part. The white people lived in like, if they were, if they were poor, they lived in the Mexican area. But anyway, we go on this mission trip and one place, the one I'll never forget is we went to Tennessee and I was told not to look black people in the eyes. Mm. And so I was like, fuck you. And I got in so much trouble. Like, I mean, I was isolated. I was grilled. I was told that I was on this mission trip to be evangelical, to spread the word of God and turn people into uh, Christians. And all I wanted to do was paint houses, fix roofs, um, read to kids I was making bracelets with two black girls and I got pulled away. I was dancing with somebody who was fucking harmless. Everybody, I swear, it was crickets on the white side of the room. Mm. When we went to a black church, everybody was uncomfortable. Everybody was complaining. I was happy. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, I just noticed these are my people. These are my friends. My best friend was black. So I didn't know racism, but I knew racism. And that was kind of where I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I don't think that this is what it really is. Right. But I was like kind of too young to really explore that. And I didn't really know that I was being traumatized and I was being like controlled. And like when we say cult, like they were trying to to turn me to control me to get them in their sect. Uh, like I was a fucking vampire and they wanted me to like turn people. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, that's problematic. It is. You know, trying to like go into different countries and building like half a school. Mm-hmm. Like painting some shit mm-hmm. and, and trying to convert people. Because they're, tr- they're trying right. to brainwash people to join their cult. Be like, help to you. This is because of the good of God. No. And you have a savior complex. Yeah. And I feel like it's just like continued assimilation 
Mm-hmm. Um, because like Brian and I, my partner talk about this a lot whenever, uh, there was the Spanish inquisition in Mexico. I mean, they, they took people out of their like Nahuatl language and their Nahuatl culture and they turned them, you know, into, uh, like Catholicism and they like took, they broke apart their culture and like took bits, bits and pieces of it and basically, uh, turned an entire nation and took away their culture. And the same thing happened, uh, indigenous people in the United States and they're put into fuck. What is it called? Those schools, those, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know why I yeah. can't think, think of the name, but yeah, in Canada, that was really bad. Right. So you just kind of see that like, uh, it's so embedded and so ingrained. And it's happened in Africa too. Oh my God. That's not our religion. That's not even where we are like, that's just not our shit. No. It didn't, like, we're, we were, there weren't Christians and shit. Like, you got hoodoo, voodoo, so many different things in Africa. Uh, You know, so many different tribes. Like, right. One country in Africa can have like over a hundred different religions and a hundred different cultures. And, you know, we're supposed to celebrate that. Mm -hmm. And you can like celebrate a culture without appropriating it, without colonizing it. And, you know, instead of like, I think that's such a, like a facade to call this place a melting pot and like welcome it. Mm -hmm. But no, we're not all like kumbaya together. Right. We're still very much segregated. I was just about to say that we are. <laughs> and some people probably prefer that. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them. Right. I wouldn't want to live around white people either, especially <laughs> to see what they're doing. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and you see that with like gentrification too. Like it's just the same shit. Right. And so now I want to get into a couple of statistics. Okay. So with this study, which was a sociological study, it says that after after they compiled data from maybe like 15 to 1600 people, Mm -hmm. adults living in the U.S., it said that it is likely that around one third, which mm. is 27 to 33 percent of U.S. adults. And that's a conservative number. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that that's a small number have experienced. Religious trauma at some point in their life, and it increases even more for those suffering from any from any of the major symptoms that are included that are included within religious trauma. And it's likely that around maybe 10 to 15, 20% still suffer from religious trauma symptoms. Mm. You know, and though, like I said, those are conservative estimates. Yeah. Which is like, it, that, that's like, that's just like the surface level. Right. I would probably bet it's closer to like 50%. No. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I didn't know that I was being traumatized. Right. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. Nobody knows that they're being traumatized. 
until after it happens because yeah you know we are taught to kind of just go with it it's like stockholm syndrome right for sure yeah and um when you were talking about there was one thing that like traumatized me as a kid that i don't really know is like talked about and i wanted to know and maybe your aunt can answer our guests can answer this i spoil the surprise can answer this but like did y'all give tithe tithings at your church 10 percent of your check okay so tell me how my mom's working three jobs we don't have food on the table yet she's giving money to the church every week like clockwork right which i just i don't agree with the whole tithing and offering you're giving money to the church what is the church doing with that money and they don't pay taxes Mm -mm. they don't they are considered it's considered a non-profit you don't have to pay taxes yeah which i would tax the first thing i would do as president would be tax those fucking churches Mm -hmm. and put that money back in the community right that's what they're supposed to be doing but you see a lot of these you know preachers like kenneth copeland i know you know him Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know everybody who's everybody. experienced some type of religious trauma or whatever or has been on the fucking internet knows Kenneth Copeland. Yep. Private jets, fancy cars, big Ferraris that say like pastor on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Oh, sorry. Pastor Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> Can go to hell. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, why are you out here? in a fucking BMW while your neighbor over here in the, from the church is driving a beat down Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. You no know, air conditioning. Hmm? No air conditioning. Exactly. You know, barely living paycheck to paycheck and you're in this nice big old house. It's like, what do you do for work? What really? do you like what what are you doing with the money and a lot of them push it so much so much and they shame you if you don't give money and i saw my mom getting shamed Mm. and i'm like no this is not right like you guys see us going to the food pantry right and like food banks and you know you got a lot of people that are going through it in the church it's like they're a lot closer to being poor than they are to being rich, you right. know, than to being well off. Right. And there's a lot of people that are suffering because like, I really noticed when I sat back as like a fly on the wall, mm-hmm. uh, probably about high school, everybody is going there to escape something and they are wanting to be perfect for God so they can go to a better place. They have condemned earth. They have condemned living. They want to go to a paradise in the sky that does not exist. Exactly. And we'll do anything to get there. Anything. Like. And that's not out of the kindness of your heart. If you're doing something so you get a reward, that's not like good. That's like chaotic good. And I wouldn't even call that good at all. Because it's not, it's not pure. Like, it's just not 
from the bottom of your heart just to help somebody like yeah helping people help like it does give you a boost of endorphins but if you get addicted to that and like put your ego first and say like i can fix these people or i'm perfect or i'm more worthy than you to go to heaven um and i think like being told that you're going to hell is traumatic Mm -hmm. it Just is that in itself i've been told that and i know Same. you've probably been yeah like i was just about to say i know you've been told that i mean i'm sorry mom i'm sorry mom but she says that she will like cry and be like elena i'm never gonna see you again when you die <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah i hope i hope not bitch like i hope i'm not <laughs> And if I'm a ghost, I'm not going to be haunting you. Right. And it's like, we'll just be having a party with little Nas X as he slides down the pole if anybody yes. has seen that video. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I would have a hot ghost outfit and I would just be like a pervy ghost, I think. Right. <laughs> but like, like yeah, it is, it is traumatic. And if you're a kid, you know, being told that if you don't do X, Y, Z, you're going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. Or right. don't do this, don't do that, don't end up this way unless you want to go to hell. Or, oh, that's the devil at work. No, people are just evil. I was going to ask you, because that is like a cultural, um, what's the word, like phrase. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, they either say, oh, she's got the gospel in her, she's got the spirit in her, you know, they, they got, got the, the Holy, Holy Ghost, Ghost in them. Yeah, or they got the devil in them. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing, is there's this whole industry of like exorc like exorcisms and like coaxing the devil out of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, he's got me. Somebody yeah. help, he's got me. I'm like, I have way too many demons for y'all to even try. Right. And I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Right. My thing is, and I saw this on Twitter. I think it was on Twitter. What don't I see on Twitter? Um, <laughs> it was like, why would I be suffering for not following the rules when that's the whole point of the devil is to not follow the rules? Right. It's like, why is he, why am I getting condemned and saying, oh, you're going to go to hell. It's a terrible place. Why would the devil punish me for not following a God that he himself did not follow? Right. Makes like, sense. Jesus and the devil were beefing. Mm-hmm. And they went in their separate realms. Exactly. So it's like, why would the devil punish me? Right. And, like, if God is so good, why would he punish you? exactly that's the one so other the thing oh god but yeah it was all about love that's another thing you got the i asked brian because i hear this all the time but i guess i didn't really understand that when you know how like in this this is in the south and probably maryland they say like oh they're god fearing woman yes and i was like what Fear does that mean right and he was like oh they are like devout they fear god so they are disciplined Right. And how is that okay? Mm-hmm. God sounds like an abusive ex to me. Yeah. Yeah. At least, the like, the God that they follow 
is not the God that I would want. That it's not something I would want to be a part of. It like that's it's not my yeah terrible. Like yeah. I've been in an abusive relationship before. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in another one. I'm good, thanks. I'm, you. I'm good. I'm good. The one other thing I just wanted to touch on before we go to the guests, because I know we try to keep this at thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're both sick people. It's it's happened to me. Has anybody tried to pray your sickness away? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say directly. Uh huh. Try to be try to be like, oh, we want to. But I've had people being like, "Do you believe in in Jesus? Do you believe in God?" And I just I lie and I say, "Mm-hmm." They're like, "Do you believe <laughs> that He can heal you?" I had to no like no lie. I had this one guy. I was at a Rite Aid. No, wait. Was it a CVS or Rite Aid? I think it was a Rite Aid parking lot. <laughs> I was going to the Amazon hub locker to go pick up a fucking package. <laughs> I get out of my car with, like, my power, with my old electric um, wheelchair that I had at the time. And uh-huh. then, God, he just starts, he, like, roll down your window. Right? <gasps> my doors were unlocked. He not. He, he knocked on my window. My, my bad. He didn't tell me to roll it down. He knocked. No, sir. Yeah. While my door was locked. Mm. And was like, oh, yeah, I've, you know, had my different conditions and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, God, he, he healed me. And I look at me. I don't need, no, I don't need the walking stick or, you know, wheelchair. I used to be uh, paralyzed. And then he healed me. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Good I'm for you. Yeah. I I'm at, I know I made a reel about it at the time when it happened. You, you did, yeah. Like he was like, "Oh, you know, prayer, prayer." Like, okay, thank you. I'm just here to pick up a fucking package. I'm right here for my ser- my serotonin, and you're fucking with the vibe. <laughs> you're fucking with my vibe, sir. Yeah, and that kind of reminds me of so like two things. One is for anyone out there listening. If anybody needs to know this, like PSA, you should always get consent before you pray. I like candles for people and I will still ask, is it okay if I light a candle for you? Is that cool? Um, Two, when I was doing outreach, um, like a few months ago, uh, there was this like, I forgot what uh, they're like. I think they're called like Southern Calvary or something. Mm -hmm. Calvary something. But they were at the park and uh, we, we were telling them about Narcan and like giving them this whole introduction. And they were saying, well, we don't need Narcan because we saw Jesus reverse an overdose. And all of us were looking at each other and we were like, um, he probably was just dozing. Like he probably wasn't actually overdosing. Right. Like that's just if Jesus Okay, two two things. If Jesus could reverse opiate overdoses, why isn't he doing more of them? Exactly. One. One. And two, how do you fucking know that? (laughs) Right. How do you know it was Jesus? Like, that's where faith comes in. But, like, sometimes people think they're prophets and they hear God. And I just think that's mental illness. <laughs> it's like it sounds like you kind of need to be admitted. Yeah, which like isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but like doing outreach i've I've met quite a few people who think that they're god <laughs> oh yeah my and you know what we'll get into that with my with the guests okay yeah we're we're at 35 and i think mm-hmm. that's really good for us right so now i'm going to bring our guest on okay and i'm gonna Welcome back to Hot Miss Healing a Podcast. We are here with a very special guest. It is um, my aunt, who I would say has some of the most experienced religious trauma that I know, like the person that I know the most. Um, she is a best-selling author. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a best-selling author working or should be working on her second book. um she also has a youtube channel i will be posting her her information um in the show notes as well like a link to her book or anything yeah gotta plug her for sure yes Mm -hmm. so auntie lola i'm not gonna call you by i'm not gonna call you by your name because that'd be weird (laughs) if you want to introduce yourself uh, you go right ahead Okay, well, I guess my name is Auntie Lolo for these purposes. <laughs> no, but um, Finn calls me Auntie Lolo, of course, but my name is Dolores Michelle Peters. Uh, I go by Dolores, the pastor's daughter, because I am a pastor's daughter. Um, I have uh, experience in this particular topic because I uncovered spiritual abuse that was happening in my own home church, which is... Um, the church that I grew up in, which is the church that my father pastored, um, and my mother was the co-pastor. I recently released a book. Actually, it was last year. This month is my anniversary month. My first um, book has been out for a year. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, congratulations! <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and it's actually on sale right now. So if you want to get it, this is a hey. very good time to get it. I definitely but, want to read it for sure. Oh, yes, yes. It's 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 a good one. And I'm going to tell you why it's a good one. Because okay. we have heard a lot about religious trauma, spiritual abuse. You know, I say we, we've we heard a lot. Um, it hasn't really been titled that way. But we mm. have seen a lot of headlines of spiritual leaders, um, youth pastors, even yeah. counselors, which kind of feeds into the same, um, a little bit of the same area. But we've seen a lot of headlines of a lot of abuses that have been going on in church. Now, we don't necessarily call it spiritual abuse or religious trauma, but that's what it is to a person who has experienced it, the person who is a victim of it. And what determines whether it is abuse or trauma, I mean, not only the acts themselves, but really how we take it how we process it and what it does to our bodies and so that's how I came up um, with really discovering what was going on with me because I became very very sick um, physically ill and I had been you know retired from the military due to um, health issues prior to this and I returned home um, in 2014 And so my objective with returning home from the military, being um, a bit sickly, you know, injuries from, you know, all of the the duties and stuff that, you know, we have to do as soldiers. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I returned home and my objective was really just to help my parents with the church, you know, to continue to grow the church. And I felt like at that point, you know, I could find a little bit of purpose in, you know, ending my career with the military because that was devastating for me. And, yeah. you know, I could find a bit of purpose in it because, hey, I was going to come back home and help with the church. And so yeah. that's exactly what I did. I mean, I, I rolled up my sleeves and as much as I could do and give and serve is exactly what I did. Yeah, uh, I truly believed. I truly believed that my purpose was to help that, you know, maybe, you know, I got sick. I got injured in the military just so I could, you know, help save souls and build the kingdom. And mm. I think that's what a lot of us go into um, religion really thinking is that, hey, you know, life has been a bit hard for me, you know, doing things another way. And so let me try this route of, you know, trying to find God and find purpose in my life. And and let me join this ministry so that I could be among people who believe the same, who will protect me, who will keep me safe. Because guess what? They are Christians. They or they are religious or they believe the same way I do. So why would they hurt me? And so yeah. you go in thinking that you this is a safe space because it's not what was out in the world, so to speak. Um, and so, but when when I got back and and helped my parents to build the church over time, I started getting sicker. Mm. Now, fast forward, and now we're in 2018, and this illness is like it's it's really <laughs> it's an illness. It's full blown illness here. Okay? Yeah. And it's, it's something that is, is taking me away from church. So now my illness is beginning to interfere with me serving. Mm. And a lot of people I'm sure will realize is that when they're serving, when they just got their head down and they feel like they're just doing this mission for God and they're doing what, they, what their pastor tells them, that they're on the right track. You know, hey, I'm going to heaven. I'm doing all the right mm-hmm. things. <laughs> I was just thinking that, like, as you were talking, uh-huh. it sounds like you were searching for another community that you had in the military. Right. And what I hear a lot of the times is like, oh, well, God gave you this struggle for a reason. Yep. And it's like, it's all a part of the path. And I, that must, must have like caused you grief. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, shit, I'm doing all this work for a certain reason. And now I'm sick and I can't devote that same time to it. So then what does that mean? Right. And that is exactly how, okay. Mm. That is exactly how a manipulative, controlling, spiritual abuser, religious narcissist really gets in. It's because they find that area of vulnerability and that's what they capitalize on. That's what they exploit. And so that's what was happening for me. I was searching for something, which is what everybody is doing when they come into a church. They're searching. Um, And so when you have a person who is highly manipulative, which are the people who you know, you will find that they, they're the ones who are inflicting this trauma and this abuse on people. Yeah. Um, but they find this area of vulnerability and weakness or where you're searching and that's what they use to exploit you. Mm. Yes. That's what they use. That's to awful. Like you go to this place, like Finn and I were talking that churches are supposed to be sanctuaries mm-hmm. and like whoever you are, you're supposed to show up and God is supposed to be speaking through the church and whatever you need it's taken care of. But I can see how like, it's kind of like love bombing. Like you said, mm-hmm. narcissism, 
I feel like that happens with the church and you kind of ride this like cloud nine rose colored glasses, like Finn said, until shit gets real. And you're maybe like, oh, <laughs> what's going on? Is this what is real? I guess right. uh, it was hard for me to figure out what was true and what was reality and what was not. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But that is the that is the exact way that they get in. And that becomes the method in which they can abuse you. And so when I wrote, uh, when I started writing my book, you know, I think everybody goes down this rabbit hole once they realize that they have been in contact with narcissistic people and stuff like mm -hmm. that. They go down the rabbit hole of like, okay, what is this? You know, like, yeah. what, what is happening? What is going on? Let me make sense of everything, right. you know? And so that's what I did. I went down the rabbit hole, but I knew, right? Like the, my situation was a bit different because where there's a lot of information about narcissism and, and stuff like that, and even about spiritual abuse, you don't really find it where people really make that connection and really mm -hmm. call it that. You know, because it's it's yeah. not really um, in our belief system to put labels on people like that, you know? Yeah. And but I we're think getting into the time where it's like, OK, we've got to call a thing a thing because what's yeah. happening is we're not able to make sense of what is happening to us because we're so busy trying not to judge or label or anything like that. Right. And you're kind of worried, like, about the aftermath of, like, if I make because if if those connections were to be made. Mm hmm. And we uncovered like how abusive the church can be and how that's woven through like white supremacy, fascism. Mm -hmm. It would be very messy. I mean, I think it would flip the whole world on its head. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so too. Yeah. But I, I think believe it, it already is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're in a very like tur turmoil time where sides are being to me like with all these bands and just oh, everything that's going on it's very much like okay they're the opposition because it's mm -hmm. like you got to pick a side it feels like we're at a real turning point right yeah mm -hmm. and when and with the the picking a side you know if you know taking taking your your comment it's yeah. what i really want people to realize is that this whole picking a side thing is all spiritual and so it's not race related. It's not gender related, even though we are seeing a lot of things come out in like race wars and gender wars and, right. you know, even sexuality wars, you know. Yeah, the culture but, war as a whole. Yes, the whole thing. But you people have to realize that it's all spiritual. And when we make a judgment on the situation and we have to make judgments about people mm -hmm. because that's how we determine who's unsafe for us to be around, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so when people, you know, when I realize that we, we have to make these judgments, we have to make it based on, based on a spiritual, um, like what we, what we know and what we feel and what we believe spiritually and what we can see that, you know, in people's behaviors, right. but also on a natural sense and see the problem with that I've noticed is that people like to separate the two between your, mm -hmm. your physical and your natural body and the spiritual. Right. And so yeah. when it comes to like narcissism and stuff like that, people are wanting to separate the narcissism from the religious aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's for me, there is a name for it on the, you know, on the 
I guess more like the secular side, which is narcissism. Right. And then on the spiritual side, it's a spirit. It's the Jezebel spirit, the Leviathan oh. spirit, and those types of, of spirits. Oh. But they're connected. And so when we talk about healing and recovering and really addressing the issue of spiritual abuse and trauma, we have to we have to approach it from both the spiritual and the physical mental health aspect of it. And that's what we're really missing. Right. That's what you're so right. You just put a lot of things into perspective for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to touch base on because I know Elena had a a question um, earlier was about like, is there a council? You have some experience with that about, you know, calling them out against which the pastor that she is referring to is her father. And Mm. she's my aunt. That is my grandfather. Mm. That's my grandfather. Um, So, there was people like protecting him, right? Right. Well, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's, there's going to be people who protect abusers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We talked absolutely. about it before, like with Catholicism, there's this whole institution that protects them. Yeah. And they get, things just get, abuse just gets swept under the rug and they're still allowed to hold these positions of power over a community. Oh God. That that's the stuff that really grinds my gears is we know about it. It's out there. But like you said, there's not really a connection being made. Right. Right. And I, you know, I think that there are, you know, I think that there are several councils councils out there, but Mm -hmm. as far as how effective they are um, and if they're not also, um, you know, narcissist driven, you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's a, that's a thing too, you know, yeah. it's, it's that our safe space, which was, you know, for a very long time considered to be the church. The church was the one place no one ever violated, you know, yeah. no one ever came in there acting a fool, you know? Yeah. And, and it just seemed like that was the place where everyone found refuge, you know, for the most mm. part. Um, but now it seems like more often than not, it's unsafe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, yeah, it's like a multi-level marketing scheme. Now sometimes <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, that's a, that's a good way to look at it too. It, and it is kind of like multi-levels. But that you would think that because there are multi-levels to it, that there is a checks and balances, oh. that there's always someone you can go to higher up to you know, area grievances, but that wasn't the case for me, you know, and I know that that's not the case for a lot of people. So like I wrote, I wrote an entire book. Okay. (laughs) I have to say it that way because I mean, when you think about it, people have air grievances about pastors and stuff before, Mm -hmm. but how many people write a whole book? Right. Like, come on, it's a whole book out here about this. No Um, one does that. Like I honestly haven't seen like a very investigative look at mm-hmm. the church uh mm-hmm. yeah i haven't and so that's so good that you did that but also i just want to commend you because i bet that was explosive since it's your family right and in order for you to find truth you really had to go through it and i am sorry that like you had to go through that but mm-hmm. and i don't want to say that like you went through it for a reason because i don't really necessarily think we have to suffer to be wise but 
to use your experience and make something of it and help other people, I just commend you on that. And especially it being your family. Like that's really hard. Thank you so much. And I, that's exactly how I believe too. I don't believe that God causes bad things to happen to us. I think mm-hmm. that bad, like God allows the bad things to work out for us. And that is what makes, you know, the, the, that faith walk different among people who believe in God um, than people who don't is that bad things are going to happen to everybody. But, you know, I'm not the only person who's who's been abused by a narcissist. I'm not the only one who's experienced religious abuse. I'm not the only one who, you know, who has experienced child abuse and stuff like that, you know. But but God makes it where this thing works out for my benefit. And now I can talk about it. I can help people and, you know, I can just spread the word. Um, Yeah, I relate to that. Just like Ben and I talking about our experiences with like chronic illness and pain, disability online, Mm -hmm. like the more you talk about it, you're building a different community. You're envisioning something different that is love and care and compassion, which is really like the cornerstones of spirituality. Um, Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Did, was there like, so in the black church, there's elders, right? Yes. Did you have to like contend with the elders or did they take your side? Well, okay. So the way our church was is my father is a, he's, he doesn't really submit well to leadership. Um, okay. He's one of those that really likes to do his own thing. He would, he's one that um, could definitely be a cult leader. Mm-hmm. Like him. He couldn't. Yeah, the reason he could not do that is because of us. Okay. You know, because we were just so resistant. And, you know, I, throughout this process, I have discovered, okay, because I wasn't really even sure about my purpose. You know, I told you guys that when I first came on, when I got out of military, I was lost and pretty much depressed. Plus, I was sick at that point. Yeah. Um, I had developed fibromyalgia while I was in the uh, military and stuff like that. So I was, you know, I was really like in a bad place. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, what was my point? I just totally forgot. I just totally lost my point. I'm so <laughs> like sorry. the structure of the church and you were looking for a purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, but still, what was my point? <laughs> 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 That's that problem my your brain. <laughs> no, you don't talk. Yeah. Yep. About building a different community and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, I still don't know what I was talking about. Y'all. Your so dad sorry. was like unchecked, could be a cult leader. Yes, he yes, he was he's one of those that was right on track that he could have been a cult leader because and it was really the way he structured it. Mm. So his his like direct leadership, which of which was his bishop, which was also my uncle, okay, because okay. you also find that there's a lot of nepotism going on and that type of thing. Um when religious abuse is able to really happen like that um it's it's because of the relationship uh like you know, they enable it to happen say that again like they enable it to happen like yeah like your uncle enabled your dad to like cause this abuse yeah but he also he also purposely did it that way he mm-hmm. wanted a person who wasn't going to be able to have the oversight that was needed so for example i'm in we're in alabama right so my father preaches in alabama his church is like 20 minutes from my house oh and um 
And my uncle, who is the bishop, um, he lives in Detroit. So that's 12 hours away. Uh-huh. There's no way that he could have the type of oversight that is needed for a, a person like my father in a church structure, like the way my father set it up. And uh-huh. so my mother was the co-pastor. So, so let's just say, right, that there's the checks and balance system that was in my, with, that was within my church was, of course, my father was the pastor and then my uncle was the bishop, right? So mm-hmm. we would have to, if I wanted to complain about my father, which I did, you know, then yeah. I would have to call my uncle. Oh. You see what I'm saying? So it's already a bit of a um, bias. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so that was a, a part of it. So there's, there's a push to protect the church part of it, but there's also a push to, to protect the family part of it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so usually what would happen is my father would have, you know, been sat down, you know, he would have gotten some type of counseling, maybe took a sabbatical mm. to, you know, really just kind of work on his, his spirit, you know, and work on yeah. that type of thing. But my father took absolutely no breaks. <laughs> okay. Oh no. In fact, he has been even doing a back and forth with me on social media. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! How yeah, do you, like, how you find the time? It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm glad so you think it's out in the open. You know, it's out in the open. I wrote a whole book. You know, yeah. and I really and my focus in the book was to talk about spiritual abuse and how I discovered it. Mm. How I discovered it, and the the reason I discovered it, and I think I was trying to say this before, is I believe that yes, through this process, me trying to find my purpose, mm-hmm. is I I discovered that I have the gift of discernment. Mm. And that was, that is what caused me so much sickness and, and so much confusion is because while I was seeing these things and I witnessed them, I knew that they were happening. It was causing a bit of cognitive dissonance because I wanted to still believe that my father, like he's on the right track. He's at least in the right business. You know, Like he's he's doing the right thing to make positive change. Cause I mean, for goodness sake, he's a pastor, you know, um, but, but it just, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. And so mm-hmm. this connection I was trying to make in my mind that, Hey, I just need to, I just need to do my part in the church. You know, I just need to continue serving. If I just do my part, then, you know, God will honor this and, and right. all. but it's like, no, you're giving your money knowing that he's taking the money and doing things that he's not supposed to do with it. You're saying amen, knowing that he's not preaching what's in the Bible, that he's actually lying. And you're mm-hmm. sitting here while you know he's making threats across the pulpit to people who he feels like isn't supporting his vision. You know, and so it's like, I can't, I can't make that right. I, can, yeah. I can't make that right. But in, but I still didn't understand that God is like, he's showing me these things. And, and not only that, but he always has. Mm. I've always had this, this sense of discernment. I'm like, I could spot a narcissist from a mile away. You have strong intuition. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, but see, that's the thing that I realize is that a lot of people do not have that. Yeah. Are not using it. Or not trusting it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my goal now is to tell people like, 
you know, use your discernment. And how do you use your discernment is you, you're you're looking at the facts of a situation. You're stepping back and analyzing the situation. You're keeping your emotions in check. Mm. You know, you you are, you know, also listening to your intuition. You you know what I'm saying? You there's yeah. a lot of factors that are going into it, but don't don't just neglect those things because now you're in a church and they're telling you that you don't have to worry about anything that God is going to do everything that no, you're not even supposed to expose anything that you see wrong or you're not supposed to question anything because you know, you're not supposed to judge it. You know, like they, they're telling you all these things, but they're telling you that so that you begin to think that your, your assessment of the situation is off that you don't really, you're not really discerned in this situation. Wow. You know, yeah, you see the abuse, but now you don't really see that. Yeah. Just, just do what I tell you to do. Do what God tells you to do. Just work, just, just, just go yeah. and uh, usher and, and just go, um, you know, do the hospitality committee. Just go, just go to work doing God's work while I'm over here abusing God's children. Mm. And that's what it was coming down to. Mm-hmm. Or that's what it come wow. down to. Yeah. yeah, Fen and I were talking about that actually, because mm-hmm. I was talking about my experience where I went, to, I was on mission trips, and uh, that's when I didn't. I was young; I was in middle school, so I didn't quite know where racism was, but I knew what it was just because I grew up in the South. But they were telling us some pretty horrible things, and I also was getting in trouble for not being evangelical enough. Like, I guess I didn't realize I thought I was fooled. I thought we were going there to to support people and help people to fix up houses, to garden, to uh, go to food banks and and clothing banks and just be of service. Right. Mm -hmm. But there was like this thing where they were training us to be militant and like convert people and get it it is like a cult because you're like recruiting people in Mm -hmm. and I did not want to do that and like you said that's where I started to um question what was going on around me and like seeing my mom like we don't have food on the table but she's giving money to the church every week and they know that that we're poor and they know that we're hungry Mm-hmm. And and that's what you were touching on too, and mm-hmm. and they really do take the vulnerable, and if you're not careful, and like you said, if you don't use discernment, you can be somebody that gets drafted into a cult before you mm-hmm. even know it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm so glad you stepped in and put that book out there because do you think that he if you didn't do that, do you think he would have more momentum to, to become a cult leader? Yeah, I, I do. Um, see, my father is the, the, really the thing that really works against him. And this is a personal thing is that he's pretty lazy. Mm. Um, and so (laughs) it, it actually works against him and he, he, I guess he just assumed that we would always be there to, you know, to do the work, uh, he does the, you know, kind of like demanding and, you know, the controlling of the situation. You know, I thought he, he thought that he would just always have us. Yeah. And so once we left that put him in a position where, um, he, he learned social media because he wasn't on social media before he didn't even oh. text. But since oh. we all left him, he took to social media. 
you know, he texts, he, you know, and he sends, he, even to this day, he sends, um, you know, a bit of threatening messages mm-hmm. um, to my mother. And, you know, this, the reason I have this really big push to like put this story out and to really just make this known is because of the physical threat that my father posed to my mother. Mm. And um, one thing that we are seeing with this, this narcissism and just this kind of spirit of entitlement is that, you know, people will really stop at nothing to get what they want. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how he was. And even though he's a pastor and what he wanted was a bigger church, you know, he wanted the fame and the, you know, and all of that that came with it. Yeah. Um, it was still evil, you know, and what he mm-hmm. was doing to get it was evil. And to the point where he was trying to kill my mother so that he could have this church and he could have this fame and this notoriety that he wanted. That's awful. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, yeah. I do you still go to church? No, actually I haven't I have not been in church since August of 2019. That's when I left my parents' church and I haven't been back. Wow. Are you do would you still consider yourself do you consider yourself religious or spiritual? Definitely spiritual. I'm not religious. Yeah. In fact, I don't even claim Christianity anymore as a religion. Yeah. And I also wanted to touch on that as well is that us as African-Americans, right? Like way, way back, that was not our number one, like religion is Christianity. Right, right. It wasn't our to begin with that, you know, dealt with like the colonization Mm -hmm. and, you know, white supremacy, slavery, where they- Assimilation, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to keep us in check, so to be. Right. What do you do you think that religion should be like I wouldn't say like abolished, (laughs) but yeah, it should. It should. (laughs) I didn't want to outright say like abolished. (laughs) I said it earlier, Finn. You said it first. I mean, Jesus hates religion. You know, I hate religion at this point. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, if you even look at, like, Confucius or Buddha, mm-hmm. like, Confucius said, do not form a religion around me. This is knowledge, and I'm not going to gatekeep it. Right. And that's what first was, like, clicked in my head, like, whoa, like you said, naturally, we're spiritual beings. Like, we are in tune with the earth we are made from stars and like share all the same molecules as everything around us but yet so why do we even need religion Mm. and if you have community like there's your church like church is really just like then and i said it's just two people getting together or maybe singing's your church or music's your church or but i don't necessarily think we need that type of structure i don't either yeah Especially when it's that it's that exact thing that just kind of makes it so easy for abuse to happen and to continue. Yeah. You know, and it just seems like that's exactly what it was designed for. Right. right. It's an institution. Yeah. Um, it's a, yeah. Earlier, it's a business. Really. It is. So a hustle. Like, it, it is. Yeah. And that's how Pat, that's how he, you know, I, my grandfather, that is how 
he sees it as. I'm pretty yeah. sure he sees it as a hustle. Yeah. You know, it's it's a business for him. It's like, because I know he used to be like a gangster or whatever. <laughs> a really? Yes. <laughs> and he still acts like that. Yeah. As like people, people to this day tell him he looks like a pimp. He does. Oh, my God. I mean, to a degree, I guess pastors are kind of pimps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's for the most part, I really do believe that, <laughs> that um, they like their belief um, before they s- s- sort of like went into the church yeah. was um, was womanizing. Mm. abusing like that's that's that was their thing um selling drugs um stuff like that and so what they did was a lot of them realized like i can't continue going down this path but i'm not necessarily gonna change right so i'm gonna continue doing what i'm doing i'm just gonna go into church and do it and they go into church and they don't have to have education they don't have to have you don't have to have anything Mm -hmm. And, and, and when we talk about the black church to me, that's even worse because for the most part, there's no requirement to even have a theology degree. Mm, you know, you really? Just, yeah, you could just come in right off the street and just op- and open up a church. What? You don't even need to like go on, like get a little printout thing from the internet. You can just, I get so yeah, I could just go like make my a father, church. church yeah, my anything. father got his credentials from a from a pastor he got his credentials when we were stationed in Germany. Okay. So that's where my father began preaching was in Germany. Oh, but he had just gotten clean off of crack. Okay. He he hadn't been clean that long. And we were talking about that, how like a lot of, uh, like I do outreach and I'm, you know, I'm giving people clean crack pipes. So I do like talk to them about these things. And a lot of times they are in, uh they're neck deep in mental illness and they don't mm-hmm. know what their reality is and a lot of them think they're god or they're talking to god mm-hmm. um and i i think a lot of it cuz what i hear from from hearing your experience and hearing Finn's experience and then me just on the anti-racism decolonizing my mind journey i do see that the system can make people like your dad mm-hmm. but also, I also think that like people could, like you said, narcissists, they could just be abusers uh, without the system being there, I guess. But I do see, like Finn said, I mean, from when Africans were brought over in slavery, they had different spiritualities and they may not even had called it religion. There's probably a, a different word for it. And then you're assimilated and religion is a tool for white supremacy So, and just like the socioeconomical differences and churches were segregated, I can't see how like that path can be created, I guess, where Mm -hmm. I'm, where I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like there was abuse in the home from, oh, oh yeah, 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 from the beginning and maybe like generational trauma and abuse. I would definitely say that too. <clears throat> for sure but see here's the thing like i um i actually forgave my father for child for the child abuse that he inflicted i mean that was you know it was a um even though i didn't understand it you know mm-hmm. and there really there really is no understanding you know what i'm saying there's really no excuse no yeah but you know sometimes you you just like 
I'm grown now, you know, so yeah. let's just move forward, you know? And so it was that type of thing, but the, the spiritual abuse, it was, it, it was too much. I mean, it was, yeah. it was too much. Um, and it was, it's just like, I, I started to have flashbacks oh. like while I was sitting in church. I would have panic attacks while my father was up preaching. And so oh, it was wow. like, I knew I was like, I, this man is this man is really like, he's threatening us and stuff, you know, like I just knew yeah. it. And yeah. so I, um, as I was getting sick, you know, and sicker and I was missing church, um, God just put it on my heart. He was like, start recording your father. Ooh. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I did. So when I was there, I would record him. So, cause I was like, I, I don't know if what I'm hearing is right, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> what I'm hearing is what I'm hearing. So let me yeah. just try to catch it, you know, and make sense of this. And so I started recording him and then I started recording like our private conversations. And so my book actually starts off with a conversation that my father and I had. And it was it's based off of recording because I recorded the conversation and it was the day that I uh, left the church. My husband and I left the church Um my father called me the next day. And so this was his attempt to like to do, to try everything. Right. He tried every narcissistic tactic. Okay. Yeah. That has ever been created. He <laughs> tried every tactic on me and it was a 50 minute call, right. That was broken up into two calls mm-hmm. um, because I was on my way to a doctor's appointment when he called. And so we had to talk again you know, we, we got off the phone and talked again after my daughter's appointment, which to me was symbolic because it's like I'm I'm fighting for my health here. You know, I'm fighting, yeah. for you know, to, to get my livelihood back, you know, have some type of quality of life, you know. And, yeah. and here this man is, you know, calling and he's threatening me. First, he starts by love bombing. OK, oh. it, always starts, it always it always starts that way. It always starts that way. <laughs> So he starts by saying, you know, how valuable I was. He's talking about my singing and he was like, the church is on a whole new level, you know, because of praise and worship. And so he's basically making it sound like I'm the one who's holding the church together. And that if I leave, that the whole church is just going to come tumbling down and all these souls and people will go to hell. And, you know, I'm, you know, it's just like too much pressure. It's like he put you on a pedestal, but like broke you down at the same time. Yes, exactly. And you know, when you pedestalize a person like that, I mean, that's, first of all, that's witchcraft. Okay. Like it is controlling, controlling is, is, is our word for is the human, you know, the, the secular word for it. Yeah. But the religious word for it is witchcraft. Mm. That's what it is. So he's doing all of this, um, trying all of these tactics. And then, so he goes from, from the love bombing to, he goes, he does a little threatening, you know, he threatens yeah. my husband. He says that I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have demons, you know, I'm going to be possessed by demons. I'm going to start liking women. I'm going to be messing up my marriage. He says, I can't pray yeah. for my kids. And, you know, he's saying all this. And then the next minute he goes into how they need me, you know, and, yeah, you know, and it's yeah. just, it, he's all over the place. Right. Yeah. They how, really try to dig their claws into you anyway. Yes. They can't. Yes. Oh my gosh. But that's how I was able to discover the 13 spiritual abuse tactics. Oh, yes. And so that's what I really break down in my book is that there are 13 tactics that people use that spiritual abusers use to 
inflict their abuse on you. And I even went a step further once I wrote the book and, you know, reflected on my own personal situation. I added a tactic. So now there are 14 spiritual abuse tactics. And the one that I added is objectification. And so just to just to like read the list really quickly. I just mentioned that because I learned that there were several stages of genocide. And one of the stages of genocide is objectification. Wow. So that's wild that you made that connection. You're a genius. Oh. <laughs> Girl, let me record that. <laughs> We're going to keep that in. Right. Like, I think that's major to make yeah. that connection. Yeah. 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 All right. You going to go over the list? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'll read the list. Okay, so the first one is authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Next one is coercion. The third one, intimidation. Terrorism. Mm -hmm. Condemnation. Classism. Mm -hmm. Conformity. Mm -hmm. Manipulation. Irrationality. Legalism. Isolation. Elitism. Ensnarement. And then the final one that I added was objectification. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, think about, think about how all of that will play out, you know, in the, in the church structure. And so people have to realize this is not something that, you know, you go one Sunday and you're like, oh my God, you know, all these spiritual abuse tactics was used on me. No, this is going, this is time. Yeah. This is someone who slow cooks it. Yeah. They, they slow cook you. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you and before you know it, it's like you're 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 ensnared, you know? Yeah, because like in the south, I definitely could have gone one direction. And mm-hmm. my family, like I'm a black sheep. Everybody else is super religious. My mom has told me that like I'm gonna go to hell because I like Jesus isn't my my Lord and Savior. So that's kind of what I'm dealing with. I renounced the church officially my freshman year of high school, and I never looked back. Mm-hmm. I told Finn I don't go into a church unless I have to mm-hmm. for some special occasion, but I feel gross. I just feel uncomfortable. It just reminds me of a past that I really just want to leave behind. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard. And you're right. All those tactics, like, just if you think about it from a kid, you go into like Sunday, you know, Bible school. And I remember challenging certain things. I remember Noah's Ark was the first thing Mm because I was like, how, first of all, how are you getting all these animals from different continents? How are the crocodiles like getting along with the rabbits? And they're just like, oh, that's just the love of God. And I'm like, you know, I'm in. (laughs) And like, I think I was maybe and I was in elementary school, like third grade. And I was I got put in the corner for asking that question. And you're right. You can't if you ask any questions, they see it as like they're like you're challenging their faith. And it's like disrespectful. Yeah. They see you as challenging God Himself. Oh, God is speaking through them. Mm. So, like, oh, you're challenging God. Like, 
that's a big no-no. You're supposed to be God-fearing. You ask no questions. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to have blind faith. And that is how you get into the cult aspect of it. Yep. Is this yeah. You're blindly following the pastor and every word he says to you is gospel. You know? Right. And I'm glad, uh, Lolo, you did make that connection. You said that somebody needs to have discernment. And somebody needs to have um, like critical thinking. And if you allow your intuition to be like stomped or just like erased or ignored, you, you don't have discernment. You can't, you can't tell what's real and what's not anymore. If you're not like thinking about like a just path. I guess. And what does that sound like? Mental illness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh it all goes God. back to mental illness, which yeah. our family is no stranger to, especially him, especially grandpa. Yeah. Right. And mm. our father, who, if anybody out there uh, wants to know, he legally changed his name yeah. to Jesus. He believes. <gasps> that he is somehow God and he's building a castle. I kid you not. You can look him up yep. on Facebook. Oh, um, wow. See his, his journey and also my grandfather, royal priesthood is what he calls himself on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They, be- they really believe they are the reincarnate of Jesus Christ Himself. Wow! And I think that's a, I think that's a, a antichrist spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. When when someone like believes that they're like the ultimate authority on mm-hmm. things, like we talked about earlier, that that all, like that reminds me of fascism as well. Um, you know, when you think you're like the one ruler or like you speak through or the ruler is speaking through you so therefore Mm -hmm. you are this holy being that we're supposed to bow down to but -hmm. you're really just a human and you're really just um just as flawed as we are and i didn't like it that like i felt defective in the church you know Mm -hmm. yeah wow i felt broken you're telling me there's all these flaws within me and I relate to you because I was also sick and they were putting hands on me and like trying to pray it out of me and telling me that like it's there for a reason and God's making you sick for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, did you get better after leaving the church? I mean, yeah. you're <laughs> ill, but was there like a toxin in you? Is that what it kind of felt like? <laughs> and oh my gosh see that yeah see that's even divine because um the the well i guess it's a little premature to say it but i am actually like going through a divorce um divorcing my father um yeah. and there is there's a um there's a book out that's called uh divorcing a parent there is a whole community of of people that have um, gone estranged from their parents because of parental abuse and in my case because of spiritual abuse yeah um, and that's exactly how I describe it so I took her I took her book her name is Beverly Engel I took her book 
and basically um, shaped what I was going to do in the process that I needed to go through to, you know, do a spiritual divorce from my father. And so what I call it is divorcing toxicity. And that's also part of the series that's going to come out of the pastor's daughter, the memoir series. So that's also going to, um, going to come out as well. I've been working on that. Um, and then, and then there's the audio book that's coming out and this, and this is the thing that, you know, is really going to be the, the golden nugget of the audio book is because the, you remember I was telling you guys about the call, right? The call, Uh I left the church and I recorded it. Well, so I wrote the book based on that call. And so there are actual transcriptions of the the call within the book. And so that's how I'm shaping the audio book where you'll hear the actual phone call in the audio book. You'll have my narration telling you the backstory, you know, giving you kind of discernment nuggets throughout the spiritual abuse tactics and all of that. And I think that that's what's really missing in this, um, in, you know, all of the data and all of the information we have about spiritual abuse and about religious narcissism, you don't really actually see it in action. And that's that's the part that's hard for people to really grasp. But when you actually hear this call, you hear the audio book and, and you hear my father's voice and how he used, um, you know, how he even used language, how he even used dialogue to relay this message of spiritual abuse, mm. you know, to inflict his spiritual abuse. And you, then you'll actually hear it. So then, you know, it comes alive for you. Um, and so that's what I really feel like has been missing in this, in this genre so far is that, you know, people, you get the information on it and it's like, okay, yeah, I know the, what to look for in the signs, but if you can actually have a case, you know, like my family, you have a case where yeah. I can, okay, now I see it, I hear it. I have a bunch of recordings of his uh, sermons mm-hmm. around the time where I discovered that, you know, he was, he was actually inflicting abuse um, behind the pulpit. Um, you know, so all of that is going to come out, um, over time at, you know, once the audio book comes out, then more of that will be revealed as well. But to me, I want to reveal this, like it's a case study. So this will actually help people to increase their discernment because it's like, okay, this is actual practical, you know, step-by-steps of how you can discern, you know, how do you analyze the information that I'm giving you? You know, how do you then research you know, these different tactics and all of that stuff. And then it all makes sense then. Yeah, it does. I love that because I have been wanting, so I'm challenging state legislation regarding pain and Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to record doctors' conversations. Mm, Wow. I think that will also be life-saving to people. If You can hear them. It's the same thing. Doctors are the same thing. They manipulate you. Uh, They use racism and fat phobia and all different sorts of things. And I would, but it's illegal in California, of course. But um, so I'm going to have to like move to a state, be a detective like you, go like (laughs) under investigation (laughs) or like get people to send me their recordings of doctors. And like, so I think that's really cool. You have the receipts. Yeah. here's where where i think your idea will really come in will really make a lot of sense okay okay so i have an app 
that I've uh-huh. been <laughs> building the app is coming out next month, right? I'm launching the app next month uh-huh. because throughout this process and me coming forward, I realized that it's not necessarily safe for us to to really put it out there like that, right? Yeah. And what we really need to do is build a community of of like-minded of discerners basically yeah. right yeah. a community of discerners where we're all located everywhere right we're like I'm in Alabama you know and and you're you said you're in California yep right fan where are you Maryland okay so see we're all in different states right yeah we all have different rules in our different states and we all have discernment in a more keen discernment in certain areas Mm. right so I feel like my discernment is like on a spiritual level when it taught when I get into this type of stuff my discernment is keen okay Mm. but I don't claim to be um have keen discernment in all areas even though I use the discernment skills in all areas of my life right yeah so that's something you can build right I'm sorry what that's something you can build like you can build discernment Mm-hmm. In all areas of your life or like yeah. evolve, I guess. Exactly. Which is why I am building a community of discerners, mm-hmm. um, which is what my app is called. It's called the Kingdom Code. And the code mm-hmm. stands for community of discerners everywhere. So these are people who are located everywhere who are discerning individuals. So we can um, have this safe space. It's not a social media site. So we don't have to worry about any violation of any rules mm. or laws like for from your state. If you want to record your, you know, uh, interaction, then we can put it on the app. Mm. And so we can all share this information. We can have discussions about it and all of that without having to worry about the rules and stuff of social media and, you know, that and loss right. and all that stuff. And so, wow. you know, I have That's a for activism. Say it again. That's good for activism because yeah. you're not necessarily like putting yourself out there. Right. Um, it's done. Like you said, you're building a community, which is a lot of what we do in like mutual aid. So, yeah, you're this can be applied in so many different areas. Once yeah. again, you're a genius. genius must like okay maybe there's mental illness in your family but i feel like there's some genius in your family too because ben's a discerner yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. is very smart Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you i think that people who are sickly are probably very discerning (laughs) (laughs) and they just don't know it that it because it's causing that it's causing a turmoil within you yeah Mm. oh wow i could talk to you for forever (laughs) (sighs) so i want to wrap it up because (laughs) we reached you know a a time um Mm -hmm. over an hour and a half um it has been great having you on the podcast yeah you're fantastic (laughs) thank you thank you and i'm glad finn has you too so where can people find you on social media it's uh dolores peter not dolores peters it's dolores the pastor's daughter on everything d-e-l-o-r-e-s the pastor's daughter on everything so Mm -hmm. so you can find me and then my website is doloréspeters.com um i prefer that if people want to reach out to me um it's best to 
email me at thepastorsdaughter20, thepastorsdaughter20 at gmail.com or look me up on Facebook. Make sure that I have your contact information because as soon as this app is launched, then I want us on there. Okay. Us on there. Yeah. I want to be on there. That's yes. sick. That's such a cool idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then of course the audio book is going to be on there. So yeah, that's, that's going to be a whole movement. Um, I want to hear this. Yeah. I want to hear the audio book. Yeah, yeah, sure. When do you plan on launching the audio book? It'll be, it'll be next month. I want to say around the 6th of, um, April? of April. Okay. Around that time. Okay. Cause I know some people in that, uh, cause I'm going to be one with this episode. I'm going to be like, you know, pushing your book as well. And I know a lot of people in the disability community, I know we have trouble, you know, with the brain fog and reading mm -hmm. like books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we so love an audiobook. Oh, yes. I recently have really been into audiobooks because it's a lot easier for me to, to con you know, to contain that. Um, yes. So okay. that's good to hear that you'll be having it out next month. And then mm -hmm. if anybody wants to read the physical book or the ebook it yes. is the pastor's daughter on amazon or you can go mm -hmm. to her website which will be linked in the show notes um you send me that link i will put it in the show notes sure will and this has been a great great episode a little long yeah. but still great <laughs> it's okay uh, yeah um, it was nice meeting you you too, Elena. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, as you know, this is Hot Mess Heal in the podcast. I'm Finn. I'm EJ. And all love. All love. I hope you all have the night you need. Or yeah. day, whenever yeah. you're listening. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.